This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Welcome to the program today. This is Don Boyd. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. You know, today we're going to look at a place, and that place is called Heaven. You know, many an ungodly person has been preached into heaven. You know, you've heard stories about somebody up there talking about how wonderful the person was that died and how he's going to be or she's going to be in heaven and such, and somebody walked up there and looked in the casket, thought they were at their own funeral. Well, you probably have spoken to very few that didn't think they were going to heaven. I've seen, or spoken to one or two at least that said, yeah, I know I'm going to be in hell but I'm going to be shaking hands with many old friends there for so long that I won't even know I'm there for a long time. Well, they don't understand hell, and that's the next lesson, Lord willing. But you see, we make the choice of whether we go to heaven or whether we go to hell. It's like standing in front of an escalator. One escalator leads down to the flames, the other escalator leads up to heaven. And we make the decision by the way that we live which direction we are going to travel. So as in Matthew chapter 25 verse 46, there at the end of the judgment day scene, Jesus said, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. So the Bible speaks of everlasting punishment. It also speaks of everlasting life. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. Excuse me. It says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. You, know, you can look up online, and I didn't know there was such a thing, but there's a thing called the heaven or hell quiz. And there are a few variations of this. But these are some of the questions that are asked on this heaven or hell quiz. What kind of internet user are you? Casual, just keeping up with friends. Helpful, giving advice to others. Addicted, can't peel myself away. Next question. Who would you root for in battle? Ninjas, demons, robots, superheroes? And then another question. Do you like dogs? Another question. What do you want your funeral to be like? Now, what do any of these have to do with going to heaven or hell? Well, as we look at heaven, let's first ask this question. What is heaven? You know, we need to know what it is. Well, Wikipedia gives this definition for heaven. Heaven, the heavens, or seven heavens, is a common religious, cosmological, or transcendent place where heavenly beings such as gods, angels, jinn, saints, or venerated ancestors originate, are enthroned, or live. 
It is commonly believed that heavenly beings can descend to the earth or incarnate, and that earthly beings can ascend to heaven in the afterlife or in exceptional cases enter heaven alive. Well, that's the definition, but uh, what does the Bible say about heaven? How does the Bible define heaven? Psalm 11, verse 4. Psalm 11, verse 4. Says that heaven is where God's throne is. That verse says the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. So God's throne is in heaven. And heaven, God being there, you notice in that verse, his eyes behold, he sees what we're doing. His eyelids try, he judges what we are doing and what we are thinking and what we are saying. So, heaven is a place that is prepared for the faithful also. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And then turning also over to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. It says there, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So we have Jesus promising that there are many mansions in his father's house, that being heaven. And we have the Hebrews writer telling us that Jesus is the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Now, heaven is not Hades. We need to realize that. Hell is not Hades either. We'll get into that in the next lesson, Lord willing. I want to read to you Luke chapter 16, verses 22 to 26 from Young's literal translation. You know, the King James translates uh, the word Hades as hell in there, but let's look at the Young's literal translation. Again, Luke 16, 22 through 26. It says, And it came to pass that the poor man died, and that he was carried away by the messengers to the bosom of Abraham. And the rich man died, also died, and was buried. And in the Hades, having lifted up his eyes, being in torments, he does see Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And having cried, he said, Father Abraham, deal kindly with me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and may cool my tongue, because I am distressed in this flame. And Abraham said, Child, 
Remember that thou did receive thou thy good things in thy life, and Lazarus in like manner the evil things, and now he is comforted, and thou art distressed. And besides all these things, betwixt us and you a great chasm is fixed, so that they who are willing to go over from hence unto you are not able, nor do they from thence to us pass through. So we find out here that, you know, Hades is a totally different place. Look also now at Revelation chapter 20, verses 12 to 15 from Young's literal translation. He says there, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the scrolls were opened, and another scroll was opened, which is that of the life. And the dead were judged out of the things written in the scrolls according to their works. And the sea did give up those dead in it, and death and the Hades did give up the dead in them. And they were judged every one according to their works. And the death and the Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And if anyone was not found written in the scroll of the life, he was cast to the lake of the fire. And you think about just picture in your mind, draw on a sheet of paper, whatever you want to do. We have the world in one circle. In another circle, we have Hades. In another, we have Judgment Day. And then up to the right, you have a circle called heaven. And down to the right, you have a circle called hell. The world we are living in is that earth that we're looking at there, the world. Everyone in the world is either safe, like young children, those who do not have the mental capacity to understand right from wrong. We also have the saved, those who have been saved from their sins through salvation in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we have the lost, those who are not faithful to God. Now, to every one of us, unless we're alive and Jesus comes back, death occurs. When we die, the saved and the safe go into the part of Hades that is called Abraham's bosom, or as Jesus told that thief on the cross, I say unto thee today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. So we have one section of Hades called paradise or Abraham's bosom. And then the lost when they face death, go into the Hadean realm known as, known as torments. So we have those two sections in Hades, paradise where the safe and the saved go, torments where the lost go, and then there's that great gulf between that we read a while ago. There's no passing back and forth between paradise and torments. Then we come to the judgment day. 
as we've read there in Revelation chapter 20, the judgment day, everyone is raised from the dead. They face Jesus in judgment, Matthew 25, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians 5, 10. We face, we're all resurrected. We receive that immortal body that we find out there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we'll flip over and read that. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed, for this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And then going over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, those are the ones who have died in Christ or died safe, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. This is at the resurrection. Even this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we be ever with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So there on the judgment day, we've all been resurrected. We are now all in our immortal body. And on the judgment day, as it mentioned a while ago in Matthew chapter 25, those who are unfaithful shall go into everlasting punishment. That's hell. Those who are faithful, the righteous, shall go into or enter into life eternal. That's heaven. So on the judgment, you know, when we die, we know whether we are guilty or we're innocent. Because we're either going to be in paradise or we're going to be in torment. We're waiting there for the sentencing on the judgment day. The sentence of hell or the sentence or blessing of heaven. So that's what we're looking at there. Heaven is not Hades. So we need to ask the next question. Is heaven real? Does it really exist? Well, Jesus said it did. Matthew 5, 10 to 12, and in verse 16. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, and then verse 16. He said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so, or in like manner, persecuted they the prophets which were before you. 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's verse 16. So Jesus said, heaven is real. In Matthew 6, 19 and 20. Matthew 6, 19 and 20. Jesus said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. So again, Jesus is affirming that heaven is real. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 25, Matthew chapter 21, verse 25. <clears throat> Jesus asked the Jews this question. He said, the baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or of men? So Jesus again affirming, there is heaven. And they reasoned within themselves, saying, if we shall say from heaven, he'll say to us, why did you not believe him? And in Matthew chapter 22, verse 30. Matthew 22, 30. There, Jesus speaking there to the Sadducees said, For in the resurrection they, that being human beings, neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. So again, Jesus is affirming that heaven is real. In Luke chapter 15, look at verse 7. Luke chapter 15, verse 7. Jesus says there, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. So again, Jesus affirms over and over and over again that heaven is real. Well, he's not the only one. The Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said that heaven is real. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. He says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, that being this physical body, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. That's that immortal body that he talked about we're going to receive over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 2. For in this, in this physical body, we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. We long for that day, he's saying, when we will receive that immortal body. And then in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, Paul says there, But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. In Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 10. Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 says there that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. So again, Paul is affirming that heaven is real. We've already looked at 1 Thessalonians 4.16 
where it said, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So the Lord is in heaven, and he's coming back from heaven on the last day to resurrect everyone, destroy this old universe. So Paul again affirms that heaven is real. And then the apostle Peter, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says that heaven is real. In 1 Peter chapter 1, look at verses 3 through 5. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope or a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So again, we see there Peter affirms that heaven is real. But in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, he says again that heaven is real. He says the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. So our Lord again is in heaven. Peter affirms heaven is real. So heaven is real. What's it like? What is heaven like? Well, in Revelation 21, look at verse 4. Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. We find there that there will be none of earth's troubles in heaven. It says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. The former things are passed away. Now think about this. No more tears. No more death. No more sorrow. No more pain. No more curse of death. You know, though rivers of tears have been shed in time, God's going to wipe all those tears away. Now, I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know he said he will, and he's going to. You know, we sing that song, no tears in heaven, no sorrows given, all will be glory in that land. No graves to dig, no funerals to attend, no graveyards. Sorrows come with tears, death, decay, disease, distress. All those sorrows are not going to be known. There will be no more illness, 
no more racked bones, no more arthritis, no more achy back, no more migraines, no more curse of death. Again, as we've already mentioned, Revelation 22, 3. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. So heaven, none of earth's sorrows will be there, but also none of earth's wickedness will be there either. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, Revelation 21, 8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is a second death. And then drop down to verse 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it, that being heaven, Anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie. But they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. All right, now we need to go back and examine some of these things that he mentioned there in Revelation 21, verses 8 and 27. So, one thing he mentions are the abominable. There will be no abominations in heaven. Well, what are the abominations? Well, you go over to Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. It says, These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination to him. So here are seven things that are abominations to God. Number one, a proud look. Uh, pride is an abomination to God. A lying tongue. Liars are an abomination to God. Hands that shed innocent blood. Those who murder others, one of the biggest shedding of innocent blood in our world today is abortion, or as I like to call it, the torture and execution of the unborn. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, thinks evil things, devises things that are evil. Feet that be swift to running to mischief. Oh, we need to go do this. Oh, let's go. Let's steal, rob, kill, murder, slander. A false witness that speaketh lies. A false witness. You know what the truth is, but you don't tell the truth. He that soweth discord among the among brethren, those who are troublemakers in the church. Those are all abominations to God. But there are others. Go to Leviticus chapter 18. Leviticus chapter 18, verses 22 to 28. We find other abominations to God. He says, There thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. 
That's homosexuality. Homosexuality is an abomination to God. It's sin. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto is confusion, bestiality. That is an abomination. And then he says, Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things, for in all these things the nations are defiled which I cast out before you, and the land is defiled. Therefore do I visit the iniquity thereof upon it, <clears throat> and the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations. Neither any of your own nation, nor any stranger that sojourneth among you. For all these abominations have the men of the land done which were before you, and the land is defiled, that the land spew not you out also when ye defile it, as it spewed out the nations that were before you. You know, this should be very eye-opening to us in this nation, especially at this time. Homosexuality is rampant, or at least it is condoned and it is shown to be that way. Transgenderism, uh, the execution there of the unborn children after they've been tortured. How long is it going to be before our land spews us out as it did those who were before us. Well, heaven is also a place of tremendous beauty. When you go back to the book of Revelation, go back to chapter 21, and we're going to look at verses 16 to 23. Revelation 21, 16 to 23. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth, and he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, 140 and four cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is of the angel, and the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth a topaz, the tenth a chrysoprasus, the eleventh a jacinth, and the twelfth an amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was of pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. 
So you think about the extreme beauty that God is trying to describe to us. Again, you read about it, you hear about it, but actually being there will be the only way to really experience it. Just like any natural wonder here on the earth, you know, Angel Falls or something like that. You can read about it, you can see pictures of it. But unless you go there and experience it, you just really don't know how grand it may be. And that's the same way with heaven. God is trying to describe to us the beauty and glory of heaven. And unless we go there, we really won't know what it's like. And it is so much more grand than anything on this earth. But also, Jesus' glory is brighter than the noonday sun. <clears throat> it talks about the glory of the Lord shall be there. Acts twenty six thirteen. There, whenever Paul is recounting his encounter there with the Lord on his trip to Damascus, he said, At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, <clears throat> above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. So Jesus' glory is brighter than the noonday sun. Heaven is also not a, only a place of great beauty. It's also a place of service. Revelation 22, verse 3. Revelation 22, Verse 3 says, And there shall be no curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. We are going to be serving God in heaven. In Revelation chapter 7, go back a few chapters here, and look at verses 9 through 15. Revelation chapter 7 Verses 9 through 15. John wrote, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, <clears throat> Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessings and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? Verse 14, And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and notice this, and serve him day and night in his temple, and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. So we will be save, serving God day and night if we get to heaven, if we're faithful. Now, 
we need to consider something here. If we don't like to serve God here in this life, what makes us think we would want to serve God in heaven? But then taking that a little further, what makes us think we're going to get to heaven anyway if we don't like to serve God now? Well, then let's ask the question. Who will be in heaven? We saw who will not be there. Who will be in heaven? Well, God the Father will be in heaven. Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. God the Father will be there. And we will be bowing before his throne and serving him. Also, Jesus the Christ will be there. Revelation 22, verses 3 and 4. Revelation 22 Verses 3 and 4. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, their service again. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. So Jesus the Christ will be in heaven. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the lamb that was slain. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But also those whose names are written in the lamb's book of life will be there. Revelation 21, 27. <clears throat> it says, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Well, who are in this group? Who are those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life? They're the saved. Revelation 21, 24. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. The saved will be there. We've already mentioned earlier, the safe will be there. Those who died before they had the knowledge of right and wrong, or those who never reached the mental capacity of that knowledge. But also, those who overcome will be there. Several verses concerning this. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 2 now. Revelation chapter 2. Jesus says there, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, overcometh sin in this life, in other words, Will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God? In verse 11 of Revelation 2. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. 
He that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. We've already seen that hell is the second death. Now, why is it called a second death? We'll, we'll chase a rabbit here for a minute. We die, we've already seen, when we die, we go to paradise, paradise or torment. Then we're resurrected. We're, we're alive again with our body. And if we are cast into hell, that's the second death. We will die twice. Revelation 2.17 He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone. And in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. All right, there was a, oh, I guess you might say a Jewish legend that there was some manna that was hidden, and if they ate of that, they would live again. But you know, think about a white stone, a white stone showing innocence, not guilty, whereas a black stone, on the other, word, on the other hand, would show uh, guilt. Uh, just kind of an example of that from Texas history. Whenever the Battle of Goliad took place between uh, the Texans there and Mexico, the Goliad lost, the Texans lost there. And those that were captured by the Mexicans there were taken away prisoner. And there was a bowl or something that they had white and black stones in. And each one of those that were captive pulled out of this container either a white stone or a black stone. Those that received the white stones were allowed to live. Those that received the black stones were executed. So that kind of gives an idea about the white and the black stone. And then that stone and you name written, well, he says, no man knoweth it, saving he that received it. So if we get that white stone, we'll know what it is. In Revelation chapter 3, Look at verse 5. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. That verse right there very clearly says that once saved, always saved is nothing but a lie. Because he says there, if we overcome, we're clothed in white raiment, that being through the blood of Jesus Christ and our obedience to the gospel and our living faithfully till we die, that if our name is in the book of life, it can be blotted out. Because Jesus says if we overcome, he will not blot it out. That means if we don't overcome, he will blotted out. So again, that once saved, always saved doctrine is nothing but the devil's lie. In Revelation 3.12, says, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. And I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. A pillar in the temple of God. 
go out no more. This, there are a lot of earthquakes during that time, and ones that he's talking to here, that city was destroyed by an earthquake. They'd have to run out of the city. Well, you won't have to run out of the heaven. None of those things will be happening there. And in Revelation 3.21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am sat down with my throne, uh, father in his throne. Again, overcoming sin in this life through obedience to the plan, God's plan of salvation and then being faithful unto death. Another group that will be there, we turn over to Matthew chapter 5 now, verse 8. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. The pure will be in heaven. It says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. See God, serve God, worship Him forever and ever. In 1 John chapter 3, look at verses 2 and 3. 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. He says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So the pure will be there. In Revelation twenty-two fourteen, we find that the obedient will be there. Revelation twenty-two fourteen, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. And in Revelation 2, 10, we find the faithful will be there. Revelation 2, 10. It says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. You look up that word unto there in the Greek. It means unto, until, such as that. So it's be faithful if it costs you your life. Be faithful if you live to a ripe old age. You do that. I will give you a crown of life. Those who travel the straight and narrow way will be in heaven. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. But there are the few who travel the straight and narrow way who will be in heaven. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. If we will do those things, we will be able to say, as the Apostle Paul said here, 
For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, talking about the judgment day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. We, you and I, can fight the good fight. We can finish our course and have kept the faith. And that crown of righteousness is waiting in heaven. So, what is the truth about heaven? Heaven is where God is. God's throne is in heaven. Heaven is real. It's not some imaginary place that somebody made up. Heaven is real. Heaven has none of earth's troubles. None of the sadness, sickness, death, tears, crying, aches, pains. None of those things will be in heaven. Heaven has no wickedness in it. We look around us in this old in this country that we live in, we see so much sin, so much wickedness, so much evil that is out there. None of that will be in heaven. Heaven will be the home of those who are faithful to God. We'll be able to walk those golden streets. Of course, these are all figurative things. We'll be able to see those beautiful walls. We'll be able to see Jesus Christ, our Savior. We'll be able to see God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And we will be able to serve and to worship God forever in heaven. Well, again, this is Don Boyd. I want to thank you for tuning in today. You know, heaven is one of the good lessons that's easy to give. The lesson next coming up, the lesson on what is the truth about hell, is not as easy to give. And Lord willing, we will do that in our next lesson. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting us at BibleWayMedia.org. You can also find us on several uh, social media platforms now. You can find us not only on Facebook, but you can also can find us on Tumblr. You can also find us on the Twitter alternative known as Telegram and on the Facebook alternative known as MeWe. We hope you enjoyed this program. We hope you will share with others. And as always, we thank you for listening.